I'd like to share with you a little bit about my week that just finished. I was grateful that Jill's parents were able to come and visit us last weekend for the first time in two years, and we had the chance to take them around to some of their favorite places, i.e. restaurants, here on Cape Cod, and we had a lovely visit, and we also enjoyed having uh, our friend and former BBC pastor Barbara Burrell came down this weekend and spent Friday night to Saturday with us, and that was nice as we're taking turns with David and Christy Pranga in hosting Corbini, Addison, and Grayson while their parents are on vacation, so we've been enjoying our time with them as well. I'm grateful for days that feel a little bit more like fall. I'm grateful I got to play baseball this week. I'm grateful for apples and cider and walks on the beaches and trails. But those weren't all my experiences of this last week. There were others that were aggravating or disappointing. And perhaps your week was similar to mine. A mix of these different circumstances, good and bad, joyful experiences, and times of sadness, meaningful and poignant conversations, and other communication that was slightly less pleasant. The question for all of us in life, though, is what do we focus on? Where do we give our primary attention? And recently, also this week, while I was washing the dishes after dinner, which I always do, I kept putting dirty dishes on the right side of the sink so they get hit by the water as you're cleaning the other stuff so those dishes become easier to wash. And I was just looking down at this one pot that was in there and I watched how once it was full, filled with water, the water started pouring over the sides and there was always more water coming out than the pot could hold. And I kept emptying the pot and putting it back and watching how it kept filling up. And because when you're a preacher, you're always thinking about preaching, it struck me that gratitude is like that for all of us, how God keeps giving us more blessings than we can contain. And the only way we make room for them is by giving thanks, by offering praise, by pouring out the love and the compassion, the resources, the blessings that God has given to us. We have to empty those things out of ourselves because God is pouring so much of that into us. So I have a question for you this morning as I start, and that is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you feeling today? Uh, one being, I have nothing in my life to be grateful for. And number 10 being, I am just overflowing with gratitude today for who God is and all God has done. So you, you got to answer that for yourself. But I want to tell you that having an attitude of gratitude is crucial to having a contented and a joyful life. Because gratitude helps us to see what is there rather than what isn't. Gratitude helps us to see what's there rather than what isn't. Last Sunday happened to be the 12th anniversary of my mother's death at the age of 73. And on the one hand, I look back with sadness at all that my mother has missed with our family over the last 12 years as our boys have grown up and everything else, just as you may feel about people you have known and loved who are no longer with you. But I also choose to look back with gratitude at all the happy moments 
and memories that I have and all I learned from my mom and all that I want to remember of my mother and what she shared with me. And so much of life to me is really summed up in that. It's so, so much of how we respond and feel about life comes down to our perspective and how we see it. Some folks see their cup as half full. Some folks say, well, the cup's half empty. But some people are grateful they have a cup. And that's, I think, maybe the best way to be of all. Just like it's important to pray when you find it hardest to pray, it's important to be grateful when you find it hardest to be grateful. Like when you're grieving or when you're in physical pain or when you're facing a challenging diagnosis that has changed your life. And what we choose to look at, what we focus on, if we're grateful for the good things in our life, rather than focusing on the bad or depressing things, I guarantee you, if you look for them, you will find many, many things for which you can give thanks, and you can be overflowing with gratitude like that pot in the sink that can't contain all the water pouring into it. Today's scripture, as we're moving through the Bible, we're in First Chronicles now, and in chapter 29, it features the words of David that Jill began reading for us, and David, at this moment in his life, he is at at least a 10 on the gratitude scale. He is at the high point, a pinnacle moment in his life. He survived so many battles, so many wars, so many enemies. He's come through hardships caused by his own sinfulness and selfishness. And now he's overflowing with gratitude for who God is and all God has done in his life. And the way he is expressing his gratitude is not only in his worship and in his praise, but by giving incredibly generously of all his resources for the building of the Lord's temple. And we pick up the scripture in verse 10 where David now offers this prayer. Then David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, are the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come from you. Come from you. And you rule over all. And your hand our power and might, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. And now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to make this free will offering? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. For we are aliens and transients before you, as were all our ancestors. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O oh, oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you search the heart and take pleasure in uprightness. 
In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our ancestors, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. It's an overflowing prayer of praise and gratitude. David's life, like yours and mine, has been a mix of good and bad. He was in bad many battles. He risked his life many times. He's known the heights of success and power and the depths of deep personal sin that had life and death consequences for many other people. David, like you and like myself, has to choose where his focus will be. And you hear this tug in this prayer. Will he dwell on the fragile, brief nature of life and the reasons he has to despair? As he says in verse 15, our days on earth are like a shadow and there is no hope. Or will his focus be on the greatness, the glory, the generosity of God who gives us the gift of life and so much else as well? In this chapter, David wants to ensure that a temple is going to be built, and so he gives freely and joyfully, sacrificially, with devotion, and encourages others to do the same, recognizing that everything we have belongs to God anyway, and it's all the Lord's. Well, what difference does it make when we live our life out of an attitude of gratitude, sharing our thankfulness, our praise, our joy with the world, bringing others in touch with the wonder of God's love for us in Christ and the amazing world that God has made for us. Well, a group of students, they were studying the seven wonders of the world, and at the end of the lesson, the students were asked to list what they thought the seven wonders of the world were. And students said things like the Great Wall of China and the Pyramids of Giza and the Eiffel Tower and other things that human beings have made. And the teacher noticed one student hadn't turned in her paper yet. And she asked if the girl was having trouble with her list. And she said, yes, a little. I couldn't quite make up my mind because there's so many. And the teacher said, well, tell us what you have and maybe we can help. And the girl hesitated and then she said, I think the seven wonders of the world are to touch, to taste, to see, to hear. And she hesitated again and then she said, and then to run, to laugh, to love. Not a bad answer. It's easy for us to look at the exploits of human beings and we refer to them as wonders while we overlook all that God has created and made possible as merely ordinary. And you need to remind yourself, and I mean every single day, that there are miracles and wonders all around you. For those of us who are parents or grandparents or great-grandparents, you got to understand the example that we set is critically important. In the book Celebrate Your Child, The Art of Happy Parenting, Richard Carlson encourages parents to demonstrate gratitude for the simple things in life. Show your child that you are a person who is truly grateful for the simple good things in life. A sunset, rain, insects, 
I know that's high on your list of things you're grateful for. <laughs> Birds, children laughing, or a kind gesture. But here's the key. Appreciative people are happy. They see the beauty in life while others miss it. I think that's true. If you wish you were happier, if you wish you had more joy or contentment in your life, one of the things you can control is to start practicing and expressing gratitude for the simple, beautiful things in life every day. And keeping a gratitude journal and recording every evening five things you're grateful for from the day which is ending, I'm telling you, it can transform and change your life. As G.K. Chesterton noted, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. Do you take things for granted or do you take it with gratitude? Well, King David here was overflowing with gratitude because he chose the right attitude toward God and all his wealth. And his gift toward building the temple in modern dollars would have been huge. And he gave it freely and joyfully. A pastor described the importance of sharing David's belief that everything is God's. He said, when you and I acknowledge that God is the owner, then there is a peace and an enjoyment in life. If we think it belongs to us, then we spend much of our life rationalizing, arguing, hoarding, trying to hold on to what we think is ours. The great English preacher Charles Spurgeon said, it's not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. It's not how much we have, it's how much we enjoy that makes happiness. St. Augustine, in another way, said, God gives where he finds empty hands. A man whose hands are full of parcels can't receive a gift. Today we begin receiving the world mission offering. That supports the work of people like Amanda and John Good, who Joe and Shelby Greemore worshipped with earlier today in Debrecen, Hungary. And I think we even have a brief hello from them. Hello, BBC. We're standing in front of St. Stephen's Basilica in busy Budapest, sending you greetings and love, hoping all is going well. Yeah, see, the way the world spins, it turns you sideways when you're in Europe, Eastern Europe. It's, you know, it's, it's always moving. But our gifts to the world mission offering support folks like John and Amanda Good, people like Madeline Flores Lopez, who Jill mentioned in her prayer, who has been a part of organizing and leading the many mission trips we've gone on down to Puerto Rico and to the Dominican Republic. We remember our friends Teddy and Didi Opernoff and Sofia Bulgaria and the many brothers and sisters we've come to know in our more than 20-year association with Eastern Theological College in Jorhat in Assam in Northeast India. And like David and God's people in his time seeking to raise funds to build a temple, I hope we can give freely and joyfully this month to the World Mission Offering so that we can raise funds to support our missionaries and our partners around the world who are helping to bring the Lord's presence and the gospel and practical help to people all over the globe. Pastor Rick Warren wrote, when I get up in the morning, I sit on the side of my bed and I say, God, if I don't get anything else done today. I want to know you more, and I want to love you better. 
God didn't put me on earth just to fulfill a to-do list. He's more interested in what I am than what I do. That's why we're called human beings and not human doings. And he said, in happy moments, praise God. Say these with me. In difficult moments, seek God. In quiet moments, worship God. In painful moments, trust God. In every moment, thank God. That's what it's like to be overflowing with gratitude. I like to think of gratitude this way. Don't just give thanks, live thanks. Don't just give thanks, live thanks. There was a faithful and grateful couple who were a part of Brewster Baptist Church back in the 1990s, and they moved to California shortly after we arrived, and their names were Robert and Elizabeth Cahill. They loved the Lord. They loved this church, and even after they moved to the West Coast, they continued to support our ministry financially for the rest of their lives. They both recently passed away in the last year or so, and we just received from their estate a gift of $150,000 because they wanted to help us continue to be a blessing to our community and to the world as we move into the future. And like David, I think they would say, oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. There are such wonderful stewards in their life and even in passing. But the truly great thing about gratitude, and this is really important to remember, is it doesn't matter how much or how little we may have of the world's wealth because gratitude is like love. Gratitude's like love. It's not a limited commodity. And that's what makes gratitude different than an apple pie. An apple pie is finite. There's only so many slices and then it's gone. Gratitude, like love, multiplies and grows the more you give it away, right? The more you love, the more love you have. And the more you choose to live with gratitude and thanks, the more grateful and thankful you become. And that's why A.W. Tozer declared, gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. That's not A.W. Tozer. Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God, and it is one that the poorest of us can make and not be poorer, but richer for having made it. Isn't that true? It doesn't take anything away from us. It expands. Pastor Tim Keller, I'm almost ready for that one, who's the founder of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. Some of you may know his work and his ministry. He's been battling pancreatic cancer now for more than a year. And he said, it's one thing to be grateful it's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. You know, there's much that can shake us in life. And whether that's a diagnosis like Keller or some of us have received, whether it's a pandemic or isolation or economic or other hardships, there are things that can really shake us to our core. And the New Testament book of Hebrews was written to Christ followers who had been subject to persecution and imprisonment and even the loss of their property as a result of their faith. And they met their trials with joy, we're told, and they were encouraged to persevere and to be thankful for what God had done for them in Christ. And Hebrews 12 verse 28 proclaims, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, 
Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and with reverence and awe. One of the great actresses of the 20th century was Audrey Hepburn. Many of you would know at least some of her films, and many people don't know what she lived through as a child. And speaking about surviving the hunger, the deprivation, and death of World War II as a child growing up in Holland, and how it made, it, made her a grateful person, she said of those awful years, it made me resilient and terribly appreciative for everything good that came afterward. I felt enormous respect for food, freedom, for good health and family, for human life. Practicing gratitude can help us better manage stress, and it increases our feelings of joy and happiness and well-being. And as I said, one of the best ways to enjoy the benefit of gratitude is to keep a gratitude journal. And if you do it, you'll be surprised how the discipline of gratitude changes you. Because think about it, even if you did this for a month, for one month, for 30 days, every day before you went to bed, you wrote down five things you were grateful for. At the end of 30 days, you could look back and you'd have 150 things. You think that doesn't, you know, I know interest is the most powerful force in the universe, right? But the power of accumulating gratitude isn't bad either. I close with this word from 19th century American preacher Henry Ward Beecher. He used this image for a heart overflowing with gratitude. He said, if one should give me a dish of sand and tell me there were particles of iron in it. I might look for them with my eyes and search for them with my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect them. But let me take a magnet and sweep through it and how it would draw to itself the almost invisible particles by the power of attraction. The unthankful heart, like my fingers in the sand, discovers no mercies, but let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds iron, so it will find every hour some heavenly blessings. Only the iron in God's sand is gold.